and welcome to Hispanic Genealogy Talk. Today is August 25th, 2020. I am your host, Cynthia Ann, and today we're going to be talking to a very special guest, one that I've been following for a few years now. His name is Moises Garza. He is the founder of We Are Cousins and Las Vias del Norte Genealogy Group. He also is author of over 30 publications and a popular book series, Last Names of Nuevo Leon. He's also the creator of the Mexican Genealogy blog and the many Facebook groups that form part of the Mexican Genealogy Network. Hello, Moises, how are you today? Hello, Cynthia, I'm doing great. Great, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. So where do we begin? You've done so much. You've written several books, you're running a Facebook page and blog, as well as the website I just mentioned, Mexican Genealogy Blog. And you have another website, as I mentioned, We Are Cousins. So maybe we should start there. Tell me a little bit about the website and of course the virtual conference that's gonna be going on, uh, which you are hosting this September. I think it's very exciting. I'm signed up for it. Uh, so when is it going to be? And tell us a little bit about the interesting people that you have lined up. Okay, well, first of all, I'm going to start uh, with a little background information on myself so sure. people could uh, get to know me a little bit more. Of course. Well, I got interested in genealogy way before I was 16 years old, and it all started back in the 1990s uh, when I used to be a migrant worker. We used to mm. go up north with my parents uh, to the Brownfield, Texas area, near the Lubbock area. Oh, yeah. And... If you work in the fields or if you have been a migrant worker in the past, um, those rows of uh, cotton, they're almost like a mile long. Oh, yes. So it would take almost a half an hour to an hour to one way and then uh, back, right? So oh. my dad, to help us pass the time uh, a little bit faster, he would tell story after story about his paternal, um, sorry, maternal grandparents. Oh. And that's what got me interested in genealogy. And I know right. that's something that many of your listeners probably got them interested to also hearing yes. stories from their elders about their ancestors. Exactly. You know, and um, and the way my dad would tell stories, there were stories greater than life. Mm. Stories that you would like, that, I, that, that didn't happen. He's like, yeah, he would swear that it happened. But that's just a, a style of storytelling that it's uh, unique to our region. Right. Um, and then, um, I was doing genealogy on and off since 1998, all the way to 2010 when my mm -hmm. first son was born. And that's where I really went hardcore and I created mm -hmm. cousins.info Okay. as a way to push myself to document my own family history. Uh -huh. I wanted to share resources with other genealogists out there because prior to that, everything that was out there there was basically nothing for Hispanics online. I uh, remember, it more, yes. <laughs> it was more the 13 colonies yes. in New England. And, <laughs> and I'm grateful for them. And I'm grateful that they, there were so many, there were podcasts out there. There were books about doing genealogy because I learned from them. Right. And that's where I got the idea to create my blog. Oh, okay. And then some, you know, when you start, you want to do genealogy for everybody. Anybody that gives you their ancestors you or their grandparents, great-grandparents, you want to start doing research for them. Right. I think that was the case with me. Uh -huh. So then 
I started noticing something that everybody from northeastern Mexico, which is Nuevo León, Tamaulipas, Coahuila, and South Texas, right? They're all related from five <laughs> to eight generations back. <laughs> wow! So that's where I got the idea to name uh, my blog We Are Cousins, and I tried okay. to buy the the name WeAreCousins.com, but unfortunately, it was already taken. Uh huh. So I ended up with WeAreCousins.info, like for information. Uh huh. And and you know. Uh, you, you told me you're from California, if mm-hmm. I remember right. Yes, yeah. You know, you know, and if your ancestors are from that area, if you start doing genealogy for everybody, you're going to start noticing that, that within five to eight generations, you're related to everybody in that area. Yeah, it's now, true. Now, if we go further back, because we're all related. Uh, we're re- uh, the, the South Texas Tejanos, the Tejanos with the Californios, the mm-hmm. New Mexicanos, we're all related. I think so, but, yeah. But further back, within the 12 to 15 generations. Wow. That's where we have uh, probably common uh, ancestors, the Co- conquistadores as common ancestors, because mm-hmm. as they started expanding up, right? Um, some went to the California, some went to New Mexico, others came to found uh, Nuevo Reino León, which mm-hmm. was Nuevo León, and then moved to South Texas. Mm-hmm. And that was a migration pattern. Now, if we were to have documents of our, about our Native American ancestry, ancestors, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we would probably be related through those lines <laughs> also. Unfortunately, they didn't leave us the documents to yeah, be able to prove that. I know, and that was one of the things I wanted to go over with you, because I had a very, very frustrating time looking for mine. And like you, I grew up on my mom's knee listening to all of these wonderful stories about these Spanish ancestors and Native ancestors, but we had no trail. There was no paper trail. The only we went as far as my mother's mother and my father's mother's father, and that was it. And um, so I'm like you. I I was very curious growing up, and I wanted to know. Come on, you know we must descend from somewhere. This can't be it. This cannot be all of my, our story. Um, and so that's what led me to it as well. And in doing so, like you, I found that um, we are starting to find cousins that kind of all relate to each other and all related. So it's been a, it's been an interesting journey. And we'll go over some more of that ancestry in a bit. But keep going. I, I love this uh, this information. And you know, um, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna move on to the conference because yeah. I wanna I want your listeners to be aware of it. Yeah, please. Well. Here in Texas, we have an annual conference, which is the Texas Hispanic Genealogical Historical Conference. Okay. Unfortunately, this year, it was going to be hosted by Houston, the Houston group. Right. But unfortunately, due to COVID, it was canceled. Uh-huh. And I was like, man, well, we need something. So that's where I, um, talking to a friend through Facebook, which I met through my Facebook uh, We're Cousins group. Uh-huh. She said, well, maybe you should do one. I'm like, well... Okay, well, let me, I got a whiteboard and uh, trying to map out the the (laughs) logistics and everything, right? Yeah. Brainstorming it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Even though, even if it's a one-day event and I'm the only speaker, uh, I'm going to do it. (laughs) You know, I I started contacting speakers. Hey, would you be interested? And they're like, yeah, we're interested. We're interested. Oh, that's fabulous. You know, so I noticed um, that there was an interest from speakers. Yes. And then I asked people around, and they're, yeah, we'll attend a virtual conference. So that was basically the birth of the, ah. well, it's, this one is the first annual virtual Weird Cousin Genealogy Conference. Right. Uh, hopefully, 
as I'm planning for this one or almost getting ready to to do this one, I'm also planning for next year. Hey, I'm on board. Yeah, I would love speakers and everything. That's wonderful. I'm all supportive of the idea because we don't know where this pandemic is going to end, if and when. And of course, if, yes, it will eventually end, but when, we don't know. And, um, you know, the people, uh, CDC is telling us, well, you know, you just got to wait between 12 and 36 months, I think they said. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's a long time, three years. So people are going to be reluctant to go anywhere. And here in California, I'm a member of several groups, one of them being the um, Hispanic Genealogical Society of Southern California. And then there's a a nationwide one. And we're also having that difficulty, too, because uh, they have been putting together um, conferences every year. Now there's no conference. So we're very happy you've taken on the reins to do this. I'm sure other people from that association will be uh, watching to see how it goes with you because there may be um, an opportunity to do it out here as well. But since yours is the first one, I really want to promote it because I think it'll be good for other people, other genealogists, and anyone just looking for the Hispanic ancestors to listen to these uh, speakers. I'm really excited about them. You have a good lineup. So um, tell us a little bit more. And, uh, you know, um, once I created the website and and put, I put a little slogan, right? This little slogan was, uh, well, the title is Weird Cousins Genealogy Conference on the website. So I put the little slogan, South Texas and Northeastern Mexico Genealogy, but then I started to think, well, I don't want to limit myself to that area. <laughs> you know? Um, so I changed the slogan to a conference to grow your genealogy skills. Yeah. And for next year, that's going to be the goal. I like to it. Try and get... Uh, more professional genealogists mm-hmm. to show us skill building, how they research, you know, the methodology. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think that that's something that will be more valuable. And it doesn't matter where your ancestors are from. You can apply whatever they teach you to whatever demographic sure. or ethnicity that you're researching. So that's something that I'm going to really strive to do next year. Oh, that's exciting. And, of course, we're going to have our regional flavors because our speakers, you know, the regional speakers, um, and hopefully we add more uh, about Califor- uh, California next year and sure. about New Mexico too. Uh-huh. Uh, because in reality, we're all cousins and we could use the same skills to find I think a lot. Uh, yeah, I, you're absolutely right, and I think looking at it in terms of uh, you know just the geography of northern Mexico, it has a very unique and different experience and cultural history than uh, central Mexico does, and um, there's a lot of uh, descendants from those original uh, settlers, if you will. Um, here in the whole Southwest. I mean, we're talking Colorado, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, all the way up to Oregon. And we're in every state of the union right now, not to mention, you know, that's that's our homeland right there. Um, uh, this area where I just mentioned, and you can reach a lot of people because that whole Northern Mexican experience is the same. It's the same all the way across the board. Like you were saying, you know, we probably all descend from the same conquistadores too. That's not to exclude uh, Central Mexico or Southern Mexico because they also have their own unique experience as well. But um, I think for us here in the United States, at least, a lot of us are descended from that Northern Mexican experience. Yes, we are. And guess what? The further back we go, we're related to uh, people that are living right now in Mexico City. Uh-huh. 
And and I know because of the Mexican genealogy group on Facebook, yes. we have people from everywhere. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and we have a great lineup of speakers. I'm very proud of all the speakers that actually stepped up and uh, and told me, yes, Moises, um, I want to be one of your presenters. Right. And, you know, we have we have all types of topics. We have the DNA topic. We have uh, something that I noticed, and it just happened organically. How yeah. to read the documents. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, and the, the Hispanic naming. Yes, I think that's uh, Leslie Carney. Leslie Carney is that the one that's doing deciphering hand handwritten in old documents? Yes, the right. presentation by Leslie Carney it's, it's excellent, uh -huh. um, and I I actually learned a lot from it. And, yeah. and I'm saying that because our, we already pre-recorded this presentation, right? And um, and let me just tell everybody. I pre-recorded all the presentations. We're almost done pre-recording all of them because since it's our first time, mm -hmm. I didn't know how the logistics were going to play out, if people were going to be punctual or not. And then the yeah. difference in time zone, right? even just recording, the difference in time zones is throwing us off and we're trying to figure it out as we go. So I think that was smart days, because the internet is also giving people a lot of problems, especially in September coming up with everybody being on Zoom, you know, the entire country teaching uh, their K through 12 kids on Zoom, not to mention the college kids. I have a college aged uh, daughter who lives with me and uh, we've had to bump up all of her internet, you know, uh, tethering a hotspot because it eats it up so much. So that was a good, a good uh, choice you made because because now you won't have problems uh, with um, bad internet connections if it were live, if I were saying. Exactly. And basically, the the, the conference is going to be live, but I'm going to be the host. And this right. is how it's going to play out. September uh -huh. 23rd, 24th, and 25th, those are the dates uh, that we designated to do the, the conference, right, okay. online. Right. I'm going to be the host and tell everybody, hey, uh, thank you all for logging in. My name is Moises. And then... Uh, you know, introduction and, okay, our first presenter, and then I'll just press play, share my screen, and everybody's going to be able to listen okay, to Okay, perfect. And then if you can't make it those days, don't worry. We got you covered. Mm -hmm. Starting on September the 26th, all recordings are going to be online. Yeah. And you're just going to be able to log in and watch the recordings however you want. Oh, that's great. You want. And however many times you want to watch them, right? All the way up until November the thirtieth. Right. Uh, November the on um, December the first, we're gonna take all those uh, recordings down. Yeah. And that's it. We're gonna start promoting the following um, conference. The, the next, next one. Right. Great. No, that's perfect. I'm on board. I'm going to be watching, and I'm very interested in several of your speakers. One of them being her. And there's another one that uh, he, he actually comes from San Francisco. Um, and he's going to be speaking about uh, World War, uh, the uh, uh, Mexican-American group during World War II. And that's fascinating to me because my father-in-law was a World War II veteran. He's passed, unfortunately. He died in uh, uh, 2011, but he uh, was a World War II veteran and uh, received honors. And I was asking my husband, do you think he might be part of that group? And he says, well, he's not sure. So we're going to really look closely to that one. And you know, Dave Gutierrez, that's what you're talking about. Yes. He's, act he's actually the author of uh, Patriots from the Barrio. Right. That's that's the book, right? You know, yes. And 
his presentation, I loved it. Um, and I know our attendees are going to love it because he talks about how he came across this piece of information that mm-hmm. an uncle of his had fought in, in World War II. Uh-huh. And then he started discovering more information, more information, and then he decided to write a book about it. And awesome. actually, his presentation, he's going to tell us how he started it and then awesome. uh, how he did it to publish. And then at, towards the end, he's going to provide resources for anybody looking for their military ancestors. That's terrific. And, you know, and I already spoke to Dave for the, for the second annual conference. Mm-hmm. I told him, hey, work, work on a military research presentation. Ooh, for us. that's wonderful. And, you know, and he agreed. I just hope uh, he doesn't start writing another book and <laughs> it's too well, big to present for us. But uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we do get that one for next year. Oh, and just by the way, Mr. Gutierrez, if you're listening, please, I'd love to have you on the podcast because that's a wonderful thing I'd like to to promote. See, uh, one of the reasons I'm doing this, Moises, is because I'm reaching out to the younger generation. There's so many issues that are going on right now in this country with the younger generation. It breaks my heart to see our Hispanic young youth lose uh, a sense of who they are and and not really know their history and so i'm very big when it comes to that i want to promote that i'm i'm on board i'm trying to get everybody you know uh in on this podcast because i want it to to be a place of resources for everybody so they can come to it and say you know hey i didn't know that let's let's check it out um for the youth and that's why i'm doing it too i'm doing my genealogy for my daughter to leave it for her so she won't be running around like i did when i was 14 or 13 going who am i what am i and am are we just this are we just you know um new to this to this country um and there was so much in my family uh, in the way of stories that convinced me we weren't just uh just new we've been here for centuries, for centuries, and we're rooted. We're literally, you know, uh, native to the area on both sides, actually, on the Spanish and the native side. So, so yes. So anyway, I will uh, try and reach out to him. <laughs> and, and you know, I'm glad you bring this up because um, not many people know this. I was actually born in Mexico, in Tamaulipas, northern Tamaulipas, raised uh, just 14 miles south of uh, the border. Wow. Uh huh. And, and you know, my grandfather, he was a merchant. He would cross back and forth. He mm-hmm. had a little, I guess, a green card because he was a merchant. He was allowed to do that. And yeah. as we were being born, they applied for that little border crossing card. And mm-hmm. So I never knew there was a, a border, right? But I knew mm. that where I was being raised, that was um, my place. But eventually, my parents decided to move uh, into to the United States. We were actually one of the last uh, families to move out of that mm. area. And growing up, in, going through the Texas education system, you know, you feel like Mexicanos are always put down, especially history class. Oh, yes. Mexicanos are always down there, mm-hmm. louder. And, you know, Texas history didn't start in, with Alamo. didn't start in 1836. <laughs> yeah. Texas history started in, the, you know, the, the I guess, white man's uh, version of... Uh, or Texas started back in 1590-something, <laughs> yes. when Alonso de Leon came yes. mm-hmm. looking for the French and kicked them out right. uh, from Texas. And then later on, I found out, hey, Alonso de Leon is one of my ancestors. Oh, my goodness. You know, so, 
such an honor to talk to you. No, the thing of it is, is this, is that we have lost our history uh, and it's been intentional and it's been for a reason. I really believe, and even now, as we speak today, the you know the the Democratic and Republican uh, conventions are happening, and and I'm disappointed because they're not talking about the Hispanics, and you know I have a feeling there's a reason why. It's a very touchy subject. Uh, they can talk about other minorities, and they can uh, you know relate to them, and they feel bad that they've done this and that to whatever minority, but they don't talk about the Hispanic. And the reason is, I think, is because. They don't want to bring it up. They don't want to bring up the fact that we have been here even long before there was a United States of America. We were the first uh, on our Spanish side, Europeans here. And, and, and I get frustrated and I don't want to get into this too much because I don't like to get into politics. This is a conversation about genealogy, but you have to add the history to it. Because that's part of our of our culture. It's it's our our legacy, and the legacy is is that we descend from a group of people that were here long before anybody else. First of all, on the native side, and then on the Hispanic side, from Spain, who were the first ones who opened the door, and the Portuguese. So we've lost that, and. I am fascinated that you found this information. I'm looking for it myself because it changes you. Doesn't it change you when you see it on, uh, on paper? That there are people that you were related to that were here even before there was a United States of America? It does, because it provides us Hispanics with a sense of, hey, I'm not an outsider, I belong. You're you totally know? an insider, more and, insider uh, than anybody else. But you know, and our groups, Politics is an off topic. We don't talk about it because I understand. people get very passionate about it. They do. It. I agree. I agree. You know? And I only mention it because uh, um, in reference to what we're doing here and how we, why we are so passionate about about what we do. The Hispanic genealogists that I have met, that you, that you uh, have met, that uh, even you, for instance, we are passionate because it's more than just learning about your grandmother and grandfather and your great-grandmother and great-grandfather. It goes deeper, much deeper. It goes to the heart of the whole settling of this country. And the- You, you know, um, I hate to blame people, but in part, I see the problem us being us. We are the problem. And let me explain why. You know, if we don't like something, if we don't like a history book, well, let's write our own and submit it. Or, you know, let's, us, we should be the change. And we are barely getting there to where we're going to be a force of change. Yes. Because we're the first or second generation that is not just about putting food on the table. We have the extra time to do extra stuff. You know, we have the the time to get into politics now we have the time to hey write You're a right. blog right. Um, mm -hmm. you know and if you look about it even in your own family history or in many Hispanic family history if you think about it we're the first and second generation that is not just about putting food on the table and yes. but the thing is we gotta train our children the next generation to stand up more and to look for positions of that power of positions where they're going to be able to do um, a change. 
And, you know, not just for Hispanics, but a, a good change for society overall. You know, and I agree with you with that. With the, there's there's many more uh, Hispanics now that are middle class and upper middle class than there ever, ever were. And I think if we had kept the land, we probably would have been, you know, uh, a, a lot, a lot further ahead. But unfortunately, the land was, uh, you know, was fought over and we lost. So we had to start over again. And those that were already here, the Californios that were already here, the New Mexicans that were already here, the Tejanos that were already here, lost their land. And so we had to start over. So um, uh, what I'm saying is, is that it's not about uh, so much, uh, in my opinion, um, class, but it's about intercharacter. It's about who you are and, and what you believe in. And when you know who you are, that character builds up inside of you and says, if they did it in 1500, 1600, 1700, I can do it too, because I'm blood, for, blood of blood. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm part of this, uh, you know, uh, family. And so finding heroes in your ancestry is, is a beautiful thing. And it helps us to really identify who we are. And that's really where my mind is. That's where my heart is. And I want to continue to pursue it. So um, uh, this co podcast is about opening it up and, and letting others really express that, show the, the heroes that they have found, because it's a beautiful story. We have such a beautiful story. It's unfortunate that we lost for a few hundred years, but now we're heading back up. And, and I agree with you. So in time, things will much, get, get much better. And I'm pretty sure they will. Yeah. The, the only thing, I, I just recommend everybody, go out and vote. You know, it yes. doesn't matter who you vote for, go exercise your right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, as it, Yes, as citizens, yes. And, you know, just don't vote blindly. Look at the issues mm -hmm. and you decide. It doesn't matter if you, whatever color you want to vote, as long as you go out and exercise that right, right. you're going to help make this country better. That's wonderful. That's I'm right with you, Moses, on that. Um, so one of the things, and we had talked about it earlier, but now I want to get back to it a little bit. Um, uh, one area in which I have had a great brick wall, of course, is with my native ancestry. Ah, it's a big, <laughs> a big subject, isn't it? Um, my mom's ancestors were from Sonora, and she used to say that we were Yaqui. Um, I haven't been able to find anything. I haven't been able to find any um, documentation that says that. Um, I found one uh, documentation, which I'm still trying to confirm that says, you know, like fourth, fifth generation, uh, generations ago, there was one person that was listed as um, native or indígena. But um, that was it. Um, can you tell me how you've dealt with it in your research? You know, I did my DNA and I'm almost 30% Native American. <laughs> right. But this is a the problem. There were most of the Native Americans in our region, northeastern Mexico, were nomads. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? And they I agree. to different tribes. The mm -hmm. Spanish came in, they started intermarrying. They didn't do genocide like uh, like other countries did, yeah. right? The mm -hmm. Spanish were more about intermarrying and, and absorbing that population. Unfortunately, like I've mentioned before in other places, you know, you can't control uh, viruses, bacteria, and stuff like that. So what's going on right now with COVID happened over there uh, back then, but on a bigger scale. Oh, okay. So those diseases decimated a lot of American, uh, Native American populations, but not not all of them, right? Mm -hmm. And the proof is in our DNA. 
unfortunately, paper-wise, we yeah. only have what the Spanish left us. Right. Now, if you're a descendant of Tlaxcaltecan Indians, uh, most of the Tlaxcaltecans, they had their own church, and they had their own baptismal records and church mm. records in Nahuatl, okay. which was their native language. Right. And the Tlaxcaltecans, why did they have that that authority, or, or why were they different than other Native American tribes? Well, because they were the ones that helped Cortez conquer the Mexica, which mm-hmm. are the Aztecs. Yeah, and that had a so hieroglyph. They, they had a hieroglyph language, so they had somewhat of a written language. Yeah. So what happened? Um, if you have Tlaxcaltecan ancestors, more than likely you're going to be able to research them. You just got to look for those baptismal records. But again, they're in that wall. Mm. So you're going to have to get uh, an expert to read them. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, I've come across other ancestors that are, it's only their first name is mentioned. And then they would say, tribu, uh, como here in the valley, there's one of los conejos, come crudos. Some of those uh, church registers will mention the tribe name. Uh-huh. Or sometimes they would just put Indio or India. Mm. And that's it. You can't go further than that. Exactly. Unfortunately, and, you know, I, I get grief by some people. I get some hate email, believe it or not. Oh, hey, no. Hey, why do you only talk about uh, <sighs> uh, Spanish? Uh, you're a vendido and this oh, and that. Oh, my God. I, I, it's crazy, right? But I, oh. I just ignore them. And sometimes I even reply and thank them for their comments. Oh, but, that's, yeah. You, you, you've got a great heart. I, I get very frustrated with that. Uh, because, you know, the, the, go ahead. The problem is, our Native American ancestors didn't leave us records. That's didn't leave us records, problem. and they weren't, they weren't, they didn't write. And that's one of the main things that you have to have. I mean, if you do just even a little bit of research of, you know, European ancestry, a lot of the people over there didn't write, but the Romans wrote, and the Romans conquered. Exactly. Adopted that. Yes. Because the Spanish, believe it or not, the forms of government are uh, were inherited from the Romans. The Roman legions yes. stayed in, Absolutely. in Spain. Yes. Uh, I teach uh, art history on the side. Uh, I actually I tutor it. And uh, my daughter is an art history major. And, um, you know, we, we love art. She's going to be a fabulous artist when she's done. But um, she's been to Spain. And um, we, uh, and I've been to Europe uh once in my life, but for a long time, about, f- about four months I was there. And I was able to see uh, and actually walk these, you know, ancient uh, roads and see the, co- the Colosseum. And I was there and um, it kind of turned my head. I was very young when I went, but I, it turned my head. It helped me to see that we derive a lot of our American culture anyway, and some of our Spanish culture from Rome. And so when we're talking about our native ancestors, it's a totally different thing, which is why the, the, you know, the, um, that whole conquest was so incredibly hard because you're talking about two different, completely different opposing cultures. Uh, one came from the old Roman tradition and then the other was this ancient native tradition that's rooted in tribal 
affiliations and culture, but had, from what I understand, most of it, except for the Aztecs, and maybe the Toltecs, no written language. And so if you understand that, then you can get an idea of, hey, how could we know even what our, our specific tribe is if there was no documents left, if there was nothing left? And so this is why I think a lot of people don't understand that. They don't have like that formal background world history that helps them to see and put their native ancestors in that timeline and say, yes, we're ancient. God, 20,000 years, I think, is what they're saying that the natives, how long the natives have been here. Um, but for the most part, um, you know, if they did have a Stone Age writings, it's disappeared. And so, yes, it's in our DNA. I see it too. I have as much as you do, but um, the 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 whole culture, you know, was 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 lost in many ways. The language and the written and and so it was very difficult, very difficult to find it. So I was just wondering how you had been dealing with it. Yeah, and, and you know, well, you mentioned that you may have Jackie um, ancestoring you. Yeah. There's this uh, book that's no longer in copyright, and anybody could go to Google and download it. It's called Barbarous Mexico. Oh, yes, I've actually heard of it. Mm -hmm. You know, if anybody out there wants to understand, understand why the Mexican Revolution took place in Mexico, mm -hmm. it was about agrarian reform, but yes. that book would tell you how the Mexican government was treating its native population. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you will see why the Mexican Revolution was a necessary Yeah. Evil. Are you familiar with Jose Vasconcelos? I've heard about him. Okay, he was the Minister of Education back in the 30s. And he was the one who actually put in place, he was an archaeologist, actually. And uh, he became the Minister of Mexico. Uh, he also became their archaeological, you know, head leader there. And um, he actually started to bring in the native uh, studies and all of the archaeology that they had been learning about it, and then began to filter it into the education system. So the way you see Mexico now, which is leaning a little bit more towards, uh, you know, liberal uh, ideas and uh, cherishing in many ways their native ancestry now, did not always exist. It was Jose Vasconcelos that put it in. Um, and for many reasons, right? Uh, Spain came in, it conquered, like Rome has done so with, with so many other places. And they just didn't uh, want to, you know, <laughs> kind of say anything uh, about their former, you know, occupants here, kind of like us here in the Southwest now. No one really wants to talk about the former, you know, occupants of the Southwest uh, before it was the United States. They want to keep it a secret because then they have to acknowledge that there was a lot of wrongdoing. So Spain didn't want to acknowledge that. They didn't want to acknowledge that it brought down a, a tremendous, you know, uh, cultural civilization. They hid it. They covered it. They brought it down, and then they just over that, you know, usurped the natives, and um, and and it was it was became you know a Spanish colony, right, for three hundred years. Um, so they covered they 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 just basically wanted to wipe out the native you know culture, but you can't wipe out something that's been there for thousands of years. You know, it's coming back up, and it's beautiful. I appreciate it. I uh, I would love to learn more if I could about that background of mine, but. I just don't know if I ever will. Unfortunately, if the, I, I don't think the documents are there. For yeah. us, that we're genealogists, and you know we want to prove everything with a document, 
it's going to be pretty hard just to get past wherever you find that, oh, Jose Indio, you know? And, <laughs> yes. and that's it. Basically, that's where you're going to stop. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I've, I've actually even... Uh, I've even reached out to the tribe that my mom said we belong to. And uh, uh, they had a seminar here in LA a couple of years ago, me and a friend of mine, you know, who also has been told that she's Yaki. uh, She went, I couldn't go that day, but I told her about it. And she went with her whole entire family and um, they wouldn't even blink an an eye. (laughs) They just said, if you don't have ancestors, if you don't have um, tribal members in the tribe right now, who can attest to your uh, affiliation as being Yaki, you know, in other words, you know, just uh, uh, like a sponsorship, then we can't help you. You, we can't, we can't help you. And so she came back and she called me and said, I'm really disappointed. I thought I was going to be able to make a connection. And she says, they wouldn't even talk to me. And so I called and, and same thing there. They say, no, you've got to be someone who's in the tribe already has to recognize you as a member so I kind of gave up. I said, you know, I'm really sad. I walked away kind of sad about it. Uh, I'm because I don't want to claim something that I'm not sure if it's it or not, you know, and how can I even if I can't even get into you know, the, the culture, um, the you group. Know, at, at this moment for us, it would just be test our DNA and test their DNA and see if there's any matches there. That's probably the only thing that we could have that's tangible. And a lot of Native American tribes, they were not decimated or probably decimated or through whatever circumstances mm-hmm. ceased to exist, mm-hmm. but members still survived and they had folklore passed down generation through generation. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I know at least of one that, um, you know, uh, he talked to the family, hey, well, what was passed down? What did you learn with this and that? And they tried to organize themselves again. Mm. You know, we do have that going on, too. Um, but even even if they were to do their DNA, it would be very hard, especially North northern tribes. Yeah. It'll be very hard to find Native American DNA because we're so mixed. Yeah, that's true. I, I think I, oh, no, wait. There's another person who specializes it out here in L.A., and one day he told me, he says, you know what? He says, you may not be just, what your mom said, you may be 10, you know, two or three different tribes because they kind of intermingled, especially up in Sonora, you know, in the area where uh, my ancestors came from. And then I thought about it. I says, maybe you're right. You know, maybe, you know, I've got Pima in me or Apache or some other thing too. I don't know. Um, and he says, yes, it's very possible. He's, he's a scholar out here. So I can't I guess he knows what he's talking about. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I have a friend of mine that he's a historian and he was telling me, hey, Moses, uh, we're, uh, you may have, um, was it, uh, Apache blood. I'm like, mm. I'm like, why? Why would you say that? And he's like, well, in the 1840s, this area got bombarded, like, yeah. raid after raid by the Apache Indians. This is true. And he showed me the actual battles, right? And then he told me, in my particular town where I, where I was born and raised, the Abuelita my grandma used to say yes that the patches came killed all the men took all the women and it took the mexican government around six to nine months to to defeat them and recover the wow uh, all the women and she said 
And when the women came back, they were all pregnant. Yeah, jeez. So, <laughs> you know, you, you get, if you're doing genealogy in that area and you get to one of those stories that has been passed down, yes. likely it's Yeah, true. okay. First of all, we're not the only ones that this has happened to. From what I understand, all of Europe was like that because of the conquest. Uh, and uh, again, I'm not saying you have to know this information, but if you're a historian and someone who likes history, you have to di do a dive deep into what happened in Europe with the Northern uh, uh, tribes, the Germanic tribes coming in and conquering all of the Mediterranean tribes and the, the tribes of England, the, uh, you know, the Celts and all of those people, um, uh, the original people of England, uh, uh, they were taken over and conquered by the Germanic tribes. Uh, the Huns and, and, and uh, I don't know, there's so many of them, there's quite a few. And, uh, and then finally, they're the ones who literally brought down Rome in the, in the third century. Uh, they conquered and brought down Rome and they became the rulers, the Germanic tribes, uh, the Northern, um, what they call barbarians. So uh, in doing research and because I help other people like you, I, I do help other people. Um, I was uh, doing a genealogy for someone uh, whose ancestry is from, um, from England and from France. And uh, he couldn't believe that he had uh, some mix in there of different things. And he says, what's this all about? I said, well, you got to know, you know, you, your whole area there was conquered uh, 2000 years ago. And uh, you think you're just German. You're not. You're also mixed with other stuff, too. So he was kind of blown away with that. So the point I'm trying to make is that this is kind of like something that happens between humans, humans, not one particular thing like, oh, you know, you Indians, we all just kind of, you know, hopping on each other and doing this and that. No, it's global. This happens everywhere. And conquest happens between human beings, not just because, between one ethnic group. And this is the thing, it's not just through conquest. Um, I've gotten emails from Europeans, gotten emails from people from Vietnam saying, hey, Moises, I did my DNA, and you're coming up as a primo. <laughs> Get what? Our servicemen uh, <sighs> fighting World War II, yeah. they were stationed over there for months. They probably went to dances. Met That's girls. awesome. Yes, of course. You know, same, same thing in Vietnam. They probably, Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Which is why it's so ridiculous to even talk about race. I don't believe that there is a thing called race. I do believe that there is a human race, but I don't believe that there are all these, you know, they're ethnic uh, tribes is what we are. We're all ethnic. And, and like you, I believe regional. And for me, what I have found is that my people were living in Sonora and in Baja uh, from 300 years till now. Um, so they're very rooted in that area. And then Arizona later when, uh, uh, my grandparents and great grandparents migrated over, but I don't, and I have documents to prove that I, they didn't move. They were like stationed there. So I like to, to find my people that I connect with from there because this is a similarity, you know, you've, you, you, uh, relate, you know, to Los Tigres del Norte, <laughs> to all of these, you know, uh, Northern Mexican, uh, sounds and music and the way they talk, they have their own little particular way of talking. And so, um, this is where you find home. This is where you find your connections. Um, 
but uh, and then later you know you can widen it out where you widen it out to other people you know because mexico in general kind of similar you know history um northern mexico mexico had a very similar history chihuahua all that place where you came from you know uh nuevo leon um and so um it, it, this is part of the, the reason why it's nice to talk because, you know, people can hear what we're saying and then maybe they'll say, you know what, they're right. They're right. I don't have to, you know, uh, f- affiliate with all the whole region. Let me find out where I am. Let me find out regionally what we did and then learn what other people in other regions of Mexico have done. Right. And so it's fascinating. You know, what we have to do also, and I've noticed, like, we have to respect everybody. Yes. You know, just be respectful. Don't be rude. Like, and I see it on the Facebook groups. And I tell everybody, if you can't be nice to somebody, we don't want you here. Mm-hmm. I you agree. Know? Yes. And I tell them, no profanity. There's, if you have a difference of opinion and, and you're not going to post nothing nice, don't post it. Right. Um, especially in our groups, because that could get you banned. Yeah, I find a lot of, uh, you know, angry people on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, like, sorry, you know, uh, Zuckerberg, I knew you wanted to do this to bring people together, but they're actually using it to fight. And um, people have their you know, reasons. Um, you know, I, I hate it because I, I have to open Facebook. It opens my wall, right? And everybody's posting all this stuff that I don't care for. But it's enticing you, like, there's no way to avoid it. Then once I get to my, like, the Mexican genealogy group or we're cousins, yeah. there's, there's like, this relief. And uh, you're not seeing all that negativity, You only genealogy. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so true. I don't true. know if you ever get that feeling, but that's that's the feeling I get when I open Facebook. Well, I what I'll do is I'll just get off of the group if it gets too difficult and it becomes nonsense. You know, people are not making sense. There's no rational thought. There's no real, you know, uh, uh, scholarly conversation going on. And and I'll just get off. It bores me and I'm, I get frustrated and I'm just like kind of throw it out to, you know, uh, the subject of, oh, uh, you know, my mom used to say, es la humanidad, mijita, es la humanidad. <laughs> and I think that's Yeah, true. but you know, our groups, they, they are, and they will continue to be a safe haven. You yes, know, that, good. There's no negativity. It's, it's The only goal is to help each other, share our experiences, share what, our finds. Yes. You know, and hopefully help each other out also. In yeah, you know, and that's what this is should be all about, the dialogue. It should be about exchanging ideas, exchanging stories and history, and, and, and sharing, you know, uh, uh, maybe, you know, how you guys did it in your part of the world. This is how we do it in our part of the world. And, and maybe you do something better than we do. Let's learn. Uh, the dialogue is very important, and I feel like it's getting lost in politics. I feel like the, and again, back to my whole uh reason for doing this is that I feel like the young are losing perspective. They're getting involved in politics and politics is good for a purpose, but it's not a dialogue. It's a yelling at each other and a cursing at each other. And you're this and you're that without sitting down and learning because human knowledge is really what we're talking about here. What I believe uh, really going forward here is that um, it's not about 
race, it's about culture and it's about geography because geography creates culture. If my people came from Sonora for 300 years, they did things a certain way. They had to do things a certain way or they wouldn't survive. I mean, that you know, they had to 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 uh, have these cultural affiliations with the land, and maybe people down in Mexico City didn't have it because they didn't have that particular desert that they that we came from. So they do things differently. Okay, let's see how they do things differently. Maybe in the Yucatan, yes, in the Yucatan, it's actually different. And I bring this up because there's a really interesting discussion that's going on within the uh, the social sciences. There's a um, scientist out here in San Francisco, and I'll have to post him because I don't have his name right now in my mind, but he is a geneticist. He works, I believe, um, Let's see now. Uh, he worked for one of the universities out here, and the findings that he came out with by just reviewing the, the genealogical testing that people are doing is that there's a wide difference of people in Mexico. The very, all ge ge uh, genetically speaking, were very different. Like, for instance, the people from the Yucatan, they have a very hard time with um, things like asthma and with uh, their ability to, um, to utilize their lungs properly. And one of the reasons is because they live in a very moist environment. That has created problems. That's created um, uh, living with mold, and that has affected their lungs. And so they're finding that a lot of people from that part of the world is getting COVID and they're dying because their lungs are not strong enough. So it's really important that we understand that genetics, our genetics is not just about the color of our skin. It goes deeper. It's, it's, it goes to the core of our very cells and geography plays a major part in that, major. And that's the reason why everyone looks so different. And you know, um, geography is very important. Why was, why did my ancestors live in a certain place? Well, look at the map. Yes. Was there a water source near there? Exactly. Course, there has to be a water source near there. Um, Northern Tamaulipas, why did, why did Las Vías del Norte get found in the 1750s? In that particular area and like a little string? Well, because the Rio Grande River was there. And right. you know, um, I'm a sociology minor. Mm -hmm. And something that I learned is like, in order to study a society, which we do as a genealogist, yes. we sometimes we don't just study one family. We study the whole um, town, the whole state, which is something that I do. You know, you start to understand that the geography shaped mm -hmm. um, where people work in a farm, where people live. Yes. It... it shouldn't be flooding, uh, where people even fought their wars or their mm -hmm. battles. You know, geography is very important. Yes, it's very important. And not only is it important that way, but it's also important in the type of food you eat, which creates culture. And, and uh, maybe one part of Mexico eats a certain thing and, and uh, you know, another part of Mexico eats another thing, or let's just take the whole United States or the whole, the whole you know, um, America. Uh, people in Chile down down in the S South America are different, and they're different because of their geography. 
They're different because, of course, they're bringing their culture from another place, but then they have to deal with that culture on the land. And so if we could understand that, if people listening could understand that it's not about the color of your skin, it's not. And actually, the color of your skin is dependent on ge geography. So it's all about what, how we evolve on this planet. That is really what's at the bottom of everything. And if we could just turn around to the, our neighbor and say, look, you're doing things differently. Tell me, explain to me why you do things differently and, and, and share with me where that came from. And of course, they're not going to be able to do it if they don't know where they came from. So start with your ancestry first. Find everything you need to know about that territory from where your family originated and then spring out from there. And if you do that, you'll be able to understand so much more and you'll be more compassionate with people. You'll be more understanding with people and you won't be so quick to, to yell at the other person and say, oh, you're just, you know, being racist or whatever. You have to uh, be a little bit more scholarly uh, in your thought process and try to investigate and do as much as you can to learn because that's the only way civilization is going to going to remain intact. Otherwise we'll descend into barbarous tribes again and we'll just eat ourselves up and then we'll have to start over. I don't believe it's the end of the world. I don't think you can, you can, you can destroy life on earth. I just don't. I think that that's outside of the human capacity. Sometimes I think we think we can do it. Um, you know, we're so arrogant, but you're not going to destroy the earth. The earth is going to continue going. Uh, but like we, I, uh, mm -hmm. like I tell my, my kids, let's, he asks uh, the other day, Dad, are we going to destroy the earth? <laughs> and I told him, more than likely, no. <laughs> no. But its ability to sustain humans, yes, we yes. may affect that. Well, yeah, you know, we're going to just peck ourselves off is what's going to happen. But, you know, you may know, maybe I'm, that needs to happen to clear the air here. <laughs> so and probably cats, dogs are going to survive yeah. with us. We're not. That's it. So listen, Moses, we're almost at the end of my um, 60 minutes here. And what I want right. to do is I want to reiterate again about your conference, when it's going to be, and I'm going to put all of the links on my blog, which you then you can share on your blog and anyone else wants to hear this podcast, please be more than, you know, happy to share it. I'll be putting it on some other uh, websites too, like, you know, um, the Hispanic genealogy, um, no, I'm sorry, the uh, Southern California Hispanic uh, Association that I belong to out here. And then uh, just spread it. I mean, that's the only way we're going to, uh, you know, um, uh, have people, you know, participate, but also just so that they can hear, you know, get a little information for themselves and uh, help themselves out. So is there anything else you'd like to say before uh, we end today? Uh, basically, if you want to learn more about what I'm doing, what I'm up to, and yeah. about all my websites, just go to MoisesGarza.com. Okay. Once again, that is MoisesGarza.com, and you're going to find links to everything that I'm doing online. And that'll, Great. those links will take you to websites, and those websites will take you to other resources, other places. And I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity. Well, thank you. I've, you know, I've always admired your work. I've been following you for a long time. We've only started talking a month ago, but I really do appreciate all the work you do. You're a, a goldmine of resources for the Hispanic genealogical community. And on behalf of all of them, I want to thank you for all your hard work. Um, and, um, you know, just keep it up. I mean, we're doing great. And uh, I will see you in September because I'm going to uh, be watching on your um, conference. 
Thank you, Cynthia. Okay, well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you all again soon.